Hi, this is Dan Corver, uh, pastor here at Dalton Hill Baptist Church. <clears throat> we're a small Baptist church located in Owasso, Oklahoma. We're small enough to know you, but we're big enough to serve you and for you to serve as well. Our vision is to rescue, restore, and return to service. Rescue a non-believer or a believer who has been hurt or is lost. Restoring them to Christ in fellowship with other believers with the desire that they in turn will help others along their way. Why is it they always run out of church but don't run into church? <laughs> the, we've been going through the... Uh, by the way, next week uh, Bill will be here and he'll be speaking. Uh, so, be visiting my parents. And so, you all love it when he comes to speak. And he'll give us all the updates on the college and what all's going on. So, he'll be speaking next week. The... Uh, we're going through a series, like we've said before, the series on Paul. If you remember, we looked at the goads that were, Scripture talks about Ecclesiastes, and a lot of things were, just imagine just the death of Stephen and the Scripture that Stephen gave, plus this way he gave glory to the Lord in the middle of it. I'm sure that was some goads that definitely were pricking at Paul. He also had the solitude when he was out with the the desert of Arabia, and then the silence. We didn't hear from him really for about 10 years. And uh, then also, a lot of times for us, we need sleep. It happened with the disciples having to get away and rest a while. Just You can be so busy. He also had the, uh, we looked at the independence. He was set free, but then he had dependence upon the Holy Spirit. But then also interdependence that you have when you look at, there's so many people in ministry working together. We did a couple of them just on the team or second fiddle. A lot of people don't want to be second fiddle. But we saw Aquila and Priscilla and just how well they filled that as well as Barnabas. And we need the same. Uh, There's not many Pauls that are running around. But we have a lot of other second fiddles that we need. We also had no little people we looked at. If you may think of Phoebe and we think of Tychicus, just the mail carriers, and how important it was for them to carry Scripture to the different destinations and the replacements. Uh, Last week we looked a little bit about the we need to be pliable. If you remember Paul was pliable in the fact of he was pliable in ministry where he was going to serve. He was pliable in location. God led him to different places. He was pliable with people. I think it's an important one. He, 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 uh, you know, it was against John Mark but then when he recognized John Mark and how uh, he had changed and he was valuable for ministry. He made the change. And then also with culture. He was with culture. When he was with the Jews, he would be able to do whether it be a dietary thing or whatever it might be. And we need to do the same thing. So it takes us today as we continue. And I remember when uh, Mark and Marie first visited with us. And when they were with us, I you know, introduced myself and I asked their names. He goes, we're Eminem. Mark and Marie. So my dad asked me this week, well, who is the couple that sits in the back there? I said, well, that's M&M. Easier for me to remember. Well, today we're going to have M&M only going to be three, three M's. So I'll help you to remember. When it comes to Paul, his message, ministry, and then also the messenger. When you think about his message, because I think it's important when you stop and think about it, if you remember in uh, Acts, you know, I'll, I'll quote a lot of these because you already know them, but remember in Acts 16, he'd just been beaten, he and Silas, and the Philippian jailer t- turns to him and says, what must I do to be saved? And what was his answer? 
Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I think it's important that you stop and think about it. The same thing happened in 1 Corinthians 2 and Paul said we saw last week. I delivered a simple message to you that you could understand. That was flattery of speech. So the first thing about a message I think we need to realize is it needs to be simple. Where people can understand. That's what's really interesting when you look in the Gospel of John where Jesus healed the blind man. And they started questioning him, the religious leaders. And what did he say? One thing I know. Once I was blind, and what? That's a pretty simple message. I think a lot of times we make it much more complicated. Not only simple, I think what about in Romans chapter 1, 16 and 17, where Paul says, For I am not ashamed of what? The gospel of Christ. It's the power of, of God unto salvation to all who believe, to the Jew, and then also to the Greek or Gentile. Salvation is for all. Our message should be for all. Same thing happens. You have it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you remember, Paul says, I delivered to you that which was first importance, that Christ died according to Scriptures. He was buried and He rose again according to Scripture. So is our message simple? Is our message for all? Salvation for all? Is our message scripturally based? I think another one that you have, and you think about it, in Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9 says what? For by what? Grace, grace, are you saved? Are you saved? Through faith. Not of yourselves, not of works, lest any man should boast. Is our message Savior or self? How many times do we do things for self? That's what you have in 1 Corinthians 3. When we're, Are we building on His foundation? Or are we building on our own? It's going to be tested. It's going to be burned. What message do we have? And I think the last one, just on the message, if you think about it, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1 and 2, which we also saw a couple weeks ago, Paul made the statement, When I came unto you, I gave you milk to drink because you were unable to take solid food, and even now you can't. Is our message suitable and applicable? And I think that's hard. Shelley will, I'm sure, will attest. It's one of the hardest things as a teacher. I mean, you have the extremes. You will have, and I was at, taught at Christian school and I taught different Bible classes. Well, you had the ones in high school that had grown up in, this, in the church. They knew a lot about their Bible. You had others that came that had never seen a Bible before. In fact, I remember one, and it was almost three weeks into the class, into the, the school year, come up afterward real sheepishly and says, what does 3.16 mean? Well, how far behind are they? Mm-hmm. If they don't even know, you're talking about a reference or where to find it or even what it is. One of the hardest things is to make it suitable and then also make it applicable. But if we can, I think... I was often told, if you can explain it to a child, you truly understand it. If you explain it to a child, will the adult understand? Hopefully. So just simply speak to children. You simply speak to where they can understand. So we think about it just on the message. Would you agree that Paul's message was simple? By the way, it was simple also, not only to non-believer, but when he writes all the letters... He's addressing problems to them that they understood. It wasn't something complicated. It's also, it was available for all. Is ours available to all? I think the uh, 
It was a simple, obviously, Scripture-based. You know, I've heard different people say something like, God helps those who help themselves. That's what the Bible says. How many times have you heard that? Can you show me one place in the Bible where it says that? And how many times have you been a place, too, where they never open the Bible and they have a message? It has to be Scriptural-based. Otherwise, it's simply my word against somebody else's. I think also, remember, it's Savior. He needs to be pointing. Paul cared strictly about bringing glory to God. Our message should be bringing glory to God and not glory to self. I think it's important to recognize. And then, it's like I said, it's suitable and applicable. Uh, so you can ask the questions. Do I make things complicated? And have you ever tried to make, make things way too complicated? It's amazing. How many of you ever get in... You get instructions and they send you how to put something together. You know, it's like, you know, forget all this stuff. You just look at the picture and go for it. You know, some of it's so complicated. What about do I simply give scriptural facts? Be like Dragnet. You remember Dragnet years ago? Just the facts, man. And I think it's important. Just give what the Bible says. We don't win anyone to Christ. The Holy Spirit draws them to Christ. We don't build the church. God builds His church through the work of the Holy Spirit. So I think when we give it our message, let the Holy Spirit do His work and then make it suitable to the audience. Okay, besides the message, what about ministry? Ministry is dicey. Thinking about with Paul. Let's give you a couple examples. We saw, you remember when he goes to Lystra? In Acts chapter 14, in Lystra, if you remember, he saw said he saw a person, he saw their faith, and God then healed them. They immediately started making him, calling one Hermes and the other one Zeus, making them out to be gods. Just a few verses later, what do they do? They stone Paul, leave him for dead. Think about it. And in one day or a couple days' time, you go from being a god to being stoned. What about when he's on the island of Malta in Acts 28? He's gathering firewood, you remember? Acts 28, verse 3 to 8. A viper bites him and everybody says what? He's a criminal and he's about to die. Justice. He shakes it off and he's just fine and they go from being a criminal to now he's a god. And you're going to find people are incredibly fickle when you're in ministry. It's dicey. One minute they're for you, the next minute it's not. And if you could be doing everything right or whatever, it's a difference of opinion. It's amazing how quickly things will change. You have to be thick-skinned and realize you're there to honor Him. Galatians, or God, Galatians 1, Paul said, well, I'm a bondservant of Jesus Christ. I'm not here to please men. We have to be the same. So one is it's dicey. Two things when you're in ministry, you have difference of opinion. Anybody agree with that? If you have five Baptists, how many opinions do you have? Six. Six? <laughs> okay. If you think about when John Mark did in Acts 15, was there a difference of opinion about whether to bring him or not? But what happens when that takes place? I want you to think about it. In that particular passage in Acts 15, what did they do? They split, but they both served the Lord in a role. 
What happens when we have difference of opinion and, and conflict, what usually happens is what happens in Philippians 4, people quit serving the Lord. So you will have difference of opinion, but continually serve the Lord in whatever means or manner in which the Lord shows you. Second thing I think of, in, look over in Philippians 3, because I think it's important because you will have this as well. I love the book of Philippians. You know, Paul in, earlier in the chapter says he forgets what uh, lies behind, reaching forward to the team forward. And I think it's important. I think a lot of people, if they've done great things in the past, they are always in their living in their glory days. And there's others who have done things in the past and got, have asked for God's forgiveness and they can't forgive themselves and they're living in the past. But notice what happens on differences of opinion in verse 15 and 16. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. said, Let us therefore as many as are perfect, the word that for perfect means mature, have this attitude, and if anything you have a different attitude, God reveal that also to you. However, let's keep living the standard by which you have attained. I think what happens, difference of opinion, what the best illustration I have is I think we have a duel. Grady gets on his side and I get on mine. We pull out duel. We both shoot each other and everything else. What happens? And we have that so often with difference of opinion. And what happens? Both people get wounded and both are limping off and nothing gets stopped. And notice it's not talking about doctrine. When there's difference of opinion, keep moving on. But how many of us are open that maybe Grady's right? Maybe Dan's right. Maybe neither one of them are right. So when we have differences of opinion, keep moving on and then saying, Lord, reveal to us what is correct. It's one thing I've liked about the council the last few years when they had weren't sure about some things. Let's just table it. Let's move on. We'll come back to it next month. And I think it's important and it's worked out that way very, very well. Uh, and so I think it's important for us to do the same thing. So one thing on ministry, like I said, it's dicey. They're for you one day. If you don't believe it, just look at your presidential stuff. It's amazing how quickly they come and go. It's also you have difference of opinion. You also have different roles. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 6, what did uh, Paul say? I have planted, Paulus says, watered, God gave the increase. Different roles. The reason I think it's important too, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 or 12 in verse 4 down to verse 11. Remember it says there's many different ministries, different effects, all given by the same Spirit. But you have a hand, you have a foot, you have everything else. So you're going to do it differently. So if, I want, if I'm the hand and I want to get this pen from one location to another, how do I do it? Walk over there. Well, but with your hand you can't. With your foot, you can see what I'm saying. There's the hand's going to do it one way. A foot's going to do it another way. What would the mouth do? Grady carry it over. You know, I mean, it's just so. What happens is we have different roles and we we address things differently. But how many of us think that our way is the only way and it's the right way? But to work together, we have to realize there's different ways to do it. I took me a while to realize that when I was doing yards. You know, I thought I was the only one that could weed eat because they the help could tear it up pretty quick. But it didn't take me long to realize everybody's waiting on me. A 
customer comes out and starts talking to me, and all of a sudden, what happens to my time? So now you're paying three guys to sit there and do what? Nothing. Watch you weed eat. So you do and train them. Some can do it. There's some that I never would turn a weed eater loose because they, there wouldn't be a bush left alive. Uh, uh, they were not good at it. So you have different roles, but some are phenomenal with blowers or whatever it might be. Same thing is true in ministry. Some are great at certain things. Then that's what we need them to do. I think the fourth thing that talks about ministry, and I think it's interesting, you can go over to 2 Timothy for a moment here and we can see it. 2 Timothy chapter 1. The last letter that Paul wrote before his, his death, I think it's important in ministry to, to recognize this. In verse uh, chapter 1 and verse 12, you can go to verse 11, we'll start there. 2 Timothy 1.11 for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. That's quite something to do any one, let alone do all three of them. For this reason I suffered these things. I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. I think one thing on ministry, do we realize we're making deposits? You find earlier in Thessalonians, Paul wrote when he says, when he stands before the judgment seat of Christ and he has to give an account, what have you done with your life? He said, you are my crown. You are my joy. What am I going to say for my life? Here are the people I'm going to show. In ministry, it's going to be tested by fire. What do I have to show for my life? And I think all of us need to address, what do I have to show? And so the, I think it's important when you look at it. That's why in 1 Corinthians 9... It's interesting when you think about Paul said, you run the race how? You run it to win. You box and don't buffeting. But then he also says, I run, but I don't want to be disqualified. You have to run according to the rules. I'm going to stand before him, give an account, am I doing it the right way? So in ministry, it's the same thing. But I think a lot of us look, and I think in anything, we compare ourselves to each other, and would you agree there's a lot of ministries today that are not uh, being built or being done for God's glory? It's being done for man's glory. A lot of it can be. And so again, I'm not the judge on their ministry, but uh, God is, but we have to look at ourselves. So question is, what's your ministry? If you don't know what your ministry is, how well do you think you're succeeding? Just take it in your your home in the home life. When the kids were small, did did you know what to do? You had to get them dressed. You had to put food on the table. You had to get them cleaned up, whatever it might be. You knew your ministry. You knew your job. What's our ministry today? If we don't know what it is, and it says we all have a gift, and I'm going to give an account, it's important to recognize what our ministry is. Are you making eternal deposits? I think it's important. Am I living for the line or am I living for the dot? And it's important for us to think about. You remember the rich ruler in Luke? He was rich for himself, but not rich toward God. The last one, what about the messenger? We've seen this before. If you remember in Acts 13, remember in verse 2, it says, Set apart for me Paul and Barnabas for the work that I have for them. In verse 4, they set them apart. 
in verse 9 of Acts 13, he said, Paul being filled by the Holy Spirit, and he goes and does something. What does it mean? So the, minute the Holy Spirit gave him a job to do. They go out, but then what does it mean to be filled by the Spirit? Ephesians 5, verse 18, Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul was filled, controlled. So I think it's important when it comes to Paul's message, he was sent by the Holy Spirit and he was controlled by the Holy Spirit. How many of us are being sent by the Spirit to go into all the world, but we're not controlled by the Holy Spirit? How many of us have ever done the deal where you you pull out your gun and say, you're going to believe, aren't you? And what happens? You know, I think it's interesting. You get to Acts 16. The Holy Spirit forbid them to go to Galatia. When you get to Acts 18, Paul was fearful and the Spirit came to him and says, don't, when he's at Corinth, don't be afraid. Speak out. And Paul did. And he was there 18 months. How important for the messenger is for the Holy Spirit to have control of it. One, descending, and then two, to have control. <clears throat> the second thing you have, you can go over in Acts 17, but is Scripture. How important is the messenger to know Scripture and use Scripture? Paul did it in 1 Corinthians 15. We already said it in verse 3 and 4 when he said, I'm not ashamed of the God. Well, he, when he made the statement that the, <coughs> Uh, of delivered a first importance that which you also received. Christ died according to scriptures. He was buried and he rose again according to scriptures. But it's interesting throughout the book of Acts, you, whether it be with Stephen when he preached, he gave scripture. Peter in Acts 10 when he preached, he gave scripture. And whenever you find Paul preaching, he's given scripture. But look over in Acts 17. Let's just see. Well, he did this when he was at Thessalonica. He does it again when he's at Berea. In Acts 17. Notice in verse 2, he's at, he's at Thessalonica, which would be in Greece. In verse 2 of Acts 17, according to Paul's custom, he went to them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures. He knew his Bible and he used Scripture. He'd first go to the Jew and when they would reject him, he would then go to the Gentile with given Scripture. He then he gets run out of town and he now is over at Thessalonica. Notice in verse 11. Paul's writing and uh, it's being written here. Now these were more noble-minded than those at Thessalonica. They received the word with great eagerness, examining the Scriptures to see whether they were these things were true or not. How can you examine Scripture if somebody's not giving you Scripture with which to support it? So Paul is speaking giving them Scripture, they then look up the references and look up the stuff and say, is this really what Scripture says? And the same thing is true. I really like it on Wednesday night or other times when I've given the wrong reference or whatever by accident, and one of them will say, oh, oh that's not the right reference. Oh, oh, that's exactly what you need to do. You need to be looking at Scripture because if, if you don't see it in Scripture, don't believe it no matter who tells you. No matter who tells you. So the messenger, one, is it sent, controlled by the Holy Spirit. Two, are they given Scripture? The third one, I think, is first in Romans chapter 1, I already gave it in verse 16 and 17, I'm not ashamed of the Gospel of God. How many of you times are, are, is the messenger ashamed of something? When people are around, well, I don't want to speak about that, I'm a Christian. 
That's what's amazing. Same words used in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. Paul said, Onesiphorus was not ashamed of my chains and sought me out. Now you think about seeking out. You know, when I went to the hospital this week to see my dad or whatever, you go up to the desk, what room number is Bill Clark? Uh, he's in 6608. Okay, Onesiphorus goes up to the, you know, to the prison and... Uh, uh, underground prison. Uh, where's Paul? Oh, he's in room. You're right. Huh? You think about it. He wasn't ashamed. No, if this guy, the most wanted Christian out there, and you don't know what room and it's underground and everything, you are going to have to search to find him. And he was not ashamed to be a, associated with Paul. How many of us? are ashamed of being associated with other believers. Not I'm not talking about not ones that go out and do some unbiblical stuff. But we don't want people to know that we're believers. You see each other throughout the week and how many of you are oh I don't want them to even know, you know, you know it's important to not be ashamed not only of the gospel but of the messenger as well. And I think it goes a long way when you see it. I think another one that I think is so important with Paul, in 1 Timothy, which was written just not too long before he was released and then in prison again, in chapter 1. So just look over in chapter 1. I think it's important when you look at in 1 Timothy chapter 1. It's important to you think about it. Well, look at starting in... The, Well, let's go all the way up to 12. 1 Timothy 1, verse 12. It says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because He considered me faithful, putting me into service. Even though I was for the formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent aggressor, and yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. Is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ came in the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. I think one of the most important things is that any messenger is to realize where you came from. Never forget you are a sinner. Because the longer you're a believer, I think a lot of times that you can get a more a holier than thou. And you forget I'm nothing more than a, sa- a sinner, saved by grace. In Acts 7, Paul, I mean, Romans 7, Paul says, What? I'm, things I, I was doing I didn't want to be doing. And then he ate. When he was controlled by the Holy Spirit, he did what was right. And I think it's important we never forget we are nothing more than a sinner. I am no better than the next person. And at work, you'll find a pecking order no matter what place you're at. And it's sad. We are simply sinners saved by grace, each having a job to do. And when you find a place where people will treat people equally with respect, it's great. But we can do it ourselves. Are we treating people equally with respect? And I think it's interesting. Paul recognizes he's nothing but a sinner. No matter how old, you think about it, how much has he accomplished in his lifetime? I mean, how many books has he now written of the New Testament? I'm nothing but a chief sinner. So when he would go in their midst and they were persecuting, he recognizes them what they're acting just like I used to. 
And I think it's important to think about when you look at the, uh, the ones that we're supporting. And they're out working in this, no matter whether they're in Myanmar or India or Edinburgh or Germany. They constantly need to remember they are, when they're serving, that's just simply a sinner who's blind. And I was there one time. And you and I need to recognize the same thing. We're with people. Holy Spirit has to turn the light bulb on like we find in First Corinthians 3. And it's amazing as that whenever you're teaching, when you see that light bulb come on, they don't have to tell you. You see it in a person's face when they catch on what you're saying. We need to do the same. The last one I want to look at, or we have two, a couple more, in Galatians chapter 1, talking about the messenger, he needs to be sent by the Holy, in control of the Holy Spirit. He needs to be unashamed of salvation and as well as the uh, other saints, recognizing himself as a sinner. And notice in Galatians 1, in verse 10, very difficult to do, but I think it's where we need to go. For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? How important is that question? How many people want the praise of men? In fact, it's amazing how many people will do anything for praise of people. Notice what he says, Or am I striving to please men? Notice what he says, If I were still striving, striving to please men. So in other words, he was originally. If I were still doing that, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. If you're wanting to serve Christ, a bondservant is a person who willingly becomes a slave. But if you're a slave, you do what? Whatever the master tells you to do, not he doesn't ask for your permission. He tells you what to do. And you notice wherever Paul wanted to go to Spain, where did he end up going? To our knowledge, he never made it to Spain. He went to Rome. And he wrote a lot of scripture because he was at Roman prison. So you notice, that I think it's interesting when he sold out. Just give you a couple of examples when he sold out. Remember I told you in Acts 14, he was stoned in Lystra. What did he do? They left him for dead. And what did he do? He said he came to, he got up, and he went back in the city. That sounds like what I want to do. It's probably when the second Corinthians took place when he says that whether I'm in the body or out of the body, you remember he went to heaven. It's probably when that happened. But what about in Acts 15? He says to Barnabas, let's go revisit all the brethren in every city. What happened at over half the cities in the book of Acts? He got run out of town. Now you want to go back and visit them? I'm sure they're going to be just sitting there with open arms welcoming you back into the city. Paul was sold out because he cared about those people. And he wanted to check on his young believers. And I think we, you and I have to, to do the same. The last thing I want to think about, now he's sold out, when you think about it, servant and a steward. In 1 Corinthians 4, in verse 1 and 2, what did Paul say? More was re- Well, let's just look at it. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Excuse me, 1 Corinthians Chapter 4 and verse 1. Now when you think about you put your name in there. Let a man regard us in this manner. Now what would your answer be? If I went out to any one of you and I said, let 
man regard me in this manner? And what would your answer be? Thus what Paul says, as a servant of Christ and a steward of the mysteries. When people look at me and they summarize my life, I want them to say, he's a servant and he's a steward of what God's entrusted him. And as a steward, the most faithful thing that's required is faithfulness. He gave him these things and he was a steward to give it to other people. Has God given you anything? How faithful a steward are you? You know, if He gave you a voice, what are you doing with it? I hear people sing. In fact, I had it on yesterday. I love listening to music. You know, it's one thing good when Gene was uh, working. Yeah, I can sing out there and nobody knows. When the dogs are howling, I know I, you know, it's not going well. But you think about it. How many of us do you recognize as a servant and a steward? So you have the three M's. What about ministry? Or message? Is it simple? Is my message scriptural? Is my message suitable to the audience? And by the way, that's going to change. Shelly, has your changed at all from year to year? From school to school? You may be teaching the same subject, but you have to, I mean, you'll have some that come in that class and you're sleeping like, man, you ought to be five years younger in your, you know, this, you know, what I'm trying to teach. We have the same thing. <coughs> what about the ministry? Is it dicey? I mean, one minute people are for you and the next minute they're all over you. Is there going to be differences of opinion? Do we have different roles we need to play? Let person play their role and you do your role. You're answerable to who? How many people do we have that are more than happy to tell everybody else how to do their role, but they don't do their own? You'll find it everywhere. You'll find it. Am I simply making a ministry, a destiny, a deposit? I keep eternity in mind. And as a messenger, am I sent and controlled by the Holy Spirit? How many of you ever wake up every morning and say, Lord, how can you use me today? You go to bed at night and say, Lord, thank, for, thank you for using me that way. If you're like me, you'll think about it at the end of the day and it's like, you know, I could have done this. I could have done that. Well, why didn't I? Was I not being controlled as well as I could have been with the Holy Spirit in order to see that opportunity? Scripture. How important is Scripture in your life? How important is it in your conversations? You don't necessarily have to be, you know, quote, but you're living it. And when people ask, you can give it to them. Am I unashamed of anything with Scripture or with other believers? And do I realize I'm a sinner like everybody else? No better. Because I think what happens, how many times are we trying to come across of something? I never forget, Gene and I had a, a minister when we were in Alabama, and he was going to come to our house, visit after church, or actually invited to their house. Couple couples. Comes to us after church, and he says, I'm sorry, but you guys won't be able to come over today. Okay, how come? Well, yeah, it's fine. Well, the other couple can't come, and it looks like we're showing favorites if just you come. 
I didn't buy it, but you know, that's fine. But then he also said, well, I can never ever share any faults. I can do it with somebody else, another ministry, and never share anything. Well, that's unreal. People, Paul, we all have failures. We all make mistakes. And people are going to relate to someone when they make a mistake, own up to it, and move on. If we try to make ourselves perfect, nobody's going to relate to you at all. Because that's not who we are. And how many of us are sold out servant, steward for Christ? We haven't reached the point yet, no. And you never will. Just keep striving ahead. If you wait till you're perfect, you'll wait till heaven. Because it won't be before. We'd love for you to come and visit with us and fellowship with us. We're located at 8263 North Owasso Expressway, which is on the east side of Highway 169 North, between 76th and 86th Street North. We have coffee and fellowship from 8.30 to 9 Sundays, followed by Sunday school for all ages from 9 to 9.45, and our Sunday morning worship service is from 10 to 11. We likewise have a Wednesday night service for all ages from 7 to 8. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times, and in every way the Lord be with you all the time.